You are listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Welcome to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. I'm your host, Clara Mount. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College and Victor Media Group. You can check out Victor Media Group and its growing library of shows and podcasts at victormediagroup.co. This season of the Crummer Hour is dedicated to examining service as we meet with Rollins and Crummer alumni who are serving the Crummer community as well as the community at large. Today's guest is Austin Franklin, CEO and co-founder of Good Natured Life, which is a business that provides leadership, rhetoric, and etiquette development with the mission of spreading kindness, friendliness, and patience in uplifting minds across the world. And I'm here with our panel of Crummer students and alumni, which includes Kyle Sawyer, current student in EAMBA 37, Papa Koji, current student in EAMBA 39, Michael Serrano, CEO of Serrano Music LLC and current student in PMBA 64, and as always, I'm your host, Clara Mount, MBA 2020. Welcome, everyone. Hey, Clara. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us, Clara. This is exciting. Absolutely. So excited for this one. So in a moment, we're going to listen to that Crummer Connections interview with Austin Franklin that was broadcast back in November. But before we do that, I always like to ask our panel to share some thoughts about what to listen for in that interview. Uh, so Kyle, you're up first. What should the listeners check out? Yeah, there's, there's a point in uh, Austin's interview where he shares the, the positive af- affirmations and love he received from his parents at a young age, which uh, he attributes to his positive mindset in his later years. And so I just, that goes, that goes on to hammer on the point that words matter um, throughout life. Beautiful. What about you, Papa? Austin, in that interview, he makes it known that everybody has the ability to make an impact on somebody every single day. Definitely listen out for that part. Love that. Michael? Uh, I really liked how genuine Austin is with his storytelling. Uh, it just grabs you as a listener, as someone that you just immediately can trust and like relate to. Uh, I think that's important for, for speakers, you know, and, and I'm a vocal music major, so I'm, I'm like always like trying to find these kinds of, uh, interesting, uh, qualities about people. That's awesome. Uh, for my part, I, I really liked when Austin talked about the importance of making sure that what you're doing is really authentic to yourself and your own goals and. Um, That just really resonated with me, and I hope it would resonate with some more people out there. So, like I said, in the second half of the show, we're actually going to have Austin here with our panel to discuss more of his views on service and his Crummer experiences. So definitely stay tuned for that. But first, we're going to check out the Crummer Connections interview. So the first segment of Crummer Connections is called Service is Personal, and it lets us understand our guests' personal motivations for leading and serving. So the next thing you hear is going to be host J.B. Adams welcoming our guest. Let's get started. Austin Franklin, welcome to the show. Thank you for those kind and wonderful words of introduction, J.B. Uh, First and foremost, definitely want to extend my appreciation to you, Victor Media Group, and Loveland for having me on the show. I'm honored and excited to be here. Well, we're glad that you are here. We are going to start right out of the gate, and I'm going to acknowledge that Among our guests this season, you are not part of the Rollins or Crummer board, which is totally fine, but the nature of this season is about service and the nature of your company is about service to communities. So we always start by asking, what's your philosophy of service and what does it mean to you? 
to serve others. Right. So my philosophy of service is really one's expression of gratitude for being a citizen. I think serving your, your municipality, your community, or any of those actions, no matter your status or your position, is one of the most humane actions we can do as people that really just forms in, in terms of giving back with those around us. Okay. And where did your philosophy come from, this giving back attitude? It really is originated from the framework of good nature life. Good nature means being kind, friendly, and patient. And that's really rooted in service, thinking beyond oneself, and also thinking about how you can be the best you for everyone else around you. So that's where, where it was rooted originally. And just to reinforce those notions or beliefs, I read an awesome book called The Go-Giver years back, fictional book that really the principles in terms of success, the principles in terms of really making the biggest business impact were all rooted in selfless giving acts to get to that level. So in conjunction with the good nature piece, as well as the book I read years ago, definitely helped frame that, that blueprint. Tell us the story of how you found the book. Was it suggested to you or? Actually, it was suggested by a college friend of mine. It was maybe sophomore year. So one of my friends was just mentioning a book. He never really mentioned any book. So that really was the first eye-opener for me. And he was just talking about how it's a quick read, very powerful fiction book. And that, I, I think at that time, I had not really consumed much fiction work. And he was just saying how it was really good in terms of business. And so I, I actually purchased a book, I believe, on one of my Christmas breaks or, or Thanksgiving breaks and decided to read it. And it was really eye-opening. And it's made a difference for you ever since. Most certainly. It definitely helped shape and mold the thoughts, the services that we have at Good Nature Life. So tell us more about the company, Good Natured Life. How do you serve communities? Right. So Good Nature Life is an educational company where we specialize in leadership, rhetoric, and etiquette programs designed for adults and youth. So we work with corporate executives, managers, and leaders within varying organizations, but also youth, meaning high school and college students. So those programs are rendered and facilitated among those demographics. And we also have keynotes incorporate into our capabilities as well. So if one is hosting a conference, a special event where they want a one-time informational and inspirational message, we have that as well. And uh, what is the role that you play specifically? Right. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Good Nature Life and also the facilitator of the leadership work that we do. We also have two other certified professionals, one who's our rhetoric specialist and President Deidre Franklin. And so Writer deals with the art of persuasive speaking and writing. And so it's really awesome to have her in that space. And our etiquette specialist, Carla Thompson, comes from an educational background. She was an assistant principal for many years. And so she brings that etiquette in terms of business etiquette, dining etiquette, social etiquette, and, and all the nuances that etiquette comes into play on a day-to-day -day basis to that space as well. All right. So for the sake of full disclosure... You are the co-founder, which means your other co-founder is? Deidre Franklin, who is my awesome mother. <laughs> yeah, there's the full disclosure. Uh, we'll come back to this uh, later in the interview, but I, I will want to hear more about the inception of Good Natured Life. What I want to hear now is, uh, what would you say is a Good Natured Life success story? Tell us how you make a difference. Right. So thankfully, we've had many positive 
I would say, success stories with the clients we serve. And we often measure the work that we do to, to, to obviously ensure that it's operating at a high level. But I would say one success story, we have a Good Nature Difference Maker program that we host annually for ambitious high school and college students. It's an application process. Um, there is tuition involved. And then once one com successfully completes the week, it's a five-day seminar, they gain the designation. And so one of the students who was one of the top performers in the Jacksonville, Florida area, very, very intelligent individual, she was off to Vanderbilt University. She actually informed our organization that after she was exposed to the, the whole program, it really allowed her to be groomed and seasoned as she stepped foot on the, the campus of Vanderbilt University as she's a neuroscience major. So that was really, that was really warm to, to hear that. Obviously, the, 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 the results of the impact of the programming. So you're, you are helping people prepare for the rest of their lives. Yes, yes, definitely. So giving people really strategies they can use personally and professionally to just enrich their lives. It sounds like very compelling work. And uh, I'm just curious from a personal point of view, tell us what you love about it. I love just seeing the impact and the, and the, and the value transfer. So obviously information I see is a, is a huge and very powerful tool and being able to have information and knowledge and share that and just see someone become more effectual at what they do or in their personal lives. For me, that's what, that really allows me to love it because if I didn't see the results from it, it would not be something I necessarily love. I, I love, I really, the, the results that, that come about from workshops, from seminars, from the transfer of knowledge. Sounds like you've got a great feedback loop going there to, to keep it sustainable. Um, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is your backstory. And this gives us a chance to get to know you and understand your early business influences. I'm going to start with just some short answers. Tell us where you were born and raised. I was born in Fleming Island, Florida, about 30 minutes from Jacksonville, Northeast Florida. Okay. And what generation do you identify with? The millennials. The millennials. And tell us about your parents' occupations when you were growing up. Yes. Yeah, so my father was a dentist and my mother was actually his office manager. So she was the VP and office manager of his dental practice. And would you say that your parents were some early business role models for you? Definitely. I would say my, my father and my mother, their example really helped inspire my entrepreneurial spirit. And so seeing them after my father completed dental school, shortly after he, he started, opened his own practice. And so seeing that example early on and seeing the, the grind, seeing the sacrifice and also the business growth definitely inspired and shaped my perspective in terms of business. I want to invite you to make it real for us. What were some of the things that you observed from your parents, very specific things that made an impression on you? Well, my parents, you know, they really poured into me um, in terms of conversation, in terms of, of, of knowledge and wisdom, and, and really tried to coach me throughout life on a day-to-day -day basis and, and really ultimately make me the best version of myself or help me be the best version of myself. But definitely some things that made an impression upon me. My parents were big into speaking positivity to me, meaning almost self-affirmation. So they would often tell me, Austin, you were born to do great things. And they told me that so much. So it became a part of my mental framework. Like I started to believe I was born to do great things. So at an early age, I started telling myself really around high school because they just told me that so much. So it became a part 
of who I was. And I think I really attribute that to a lot of the accomplishments and, and overcoming that I've allowed to transpire in my life by just having that framework. And they've taught me almost indirectly how we can really, through words, through our thoughts, really shape, really help shape our reality by what we think. And in, in addition to this, I think you mentioned previously, um, your father set an example for serving the community, right? Yes. So my, my father, you know, he was a, a dentist and he really, he worked in two spaces. So he, one worked for the state um, during the day. And then in the evening, he worked for his own private practice. When he was working for the state, does that mean he was providing dental care to folks who really needed it? Is that what that means? Yeah. So the daytime job revolved around actually with inmates. That's very powerful to me um, as a way of giving back because there's so many people who find their way into prison because of the circumstances that they were born into and we need to help them find a way out. No, I, I totally agree. And that's definitely something I want to do moving forward as well, to be able to help out in those spaces because it's really needed. And it's kind of hard to really, I would say, have that degree of understanding unless one is in it. I was in a organization, I believe it was Leadership Jacksonville, mm-hmm. basically a group of young professionals. And this was in 2018, 2019. And one of the, one of the days or one of the sessions, we actually visited a, a local jail or, or local uh, penitentiary and just literally walked the hallways, heard some of the stories. And it really, when, you, when you're exposed, it really forces you, I believe, in your heart to make you want to do something to help them in that, in that space. Because as you mentioned, obviously, some people, it was kind of beyond their control. Sometimes the situation they're born into, and sometimes, obviously, people are making bad decisions. But ultimately, um, people can still become better in spite of that. And there's still opportunities to really help them as they navigate their, their sentences. Yeah, exactly. That that really resonates with me. So your dad made sacrifices for the sake of his career and, and your family. Um, and I also want to acknowledge uh, your dad is no longer with us, so I'm very sorry to hear that. But again, in, in terms of the kind of impressions that he made on you, tell us more about that attitude that he had. Right. If I had to de- describe my father really and, and give him like a headline, it was, it's not about me. It's always about others. It's always about, you know, it's bigger than just myself. So that was a, a slogan he would say frequently. It's not about me. It's not about me. So obviously in his particular case, it was about his wife. It was about his his son. It was about his brothers, his siblings, you know, beyond him. So that's what really pushed him to make the sacrifices many may not be willing to make to position others around him in the, in the best way possible. So whether that mean waking up, you know, when most of the world is asleep, working till most of the world is in bed, like he would do the things that most would not be willing to do because he took it off of himself. And really going back to the central theme of this show, looking at the service and looking at those around him to, to, to ultimately impact, to push him to that highest level. And your dad's legacy lives on. How do you see his legacy living on? in the present and into the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I see his legacy living on through me. Obviously, that's that's where it starts and, and through how 
I approach each day, how, how I live my life, and obviously living it in a way that honors him. And then obviously through my, my lineage, once I have kids, it's, it still will be passed on those stories of who he was and those particular memories. In my first book, I actually wrote a chapter in Wake, Rise, and Smile about my father. And so that book can still be passed down to, to get, gain more insight, clarity in terms of who he was for my kids and for their kids, kids, et cetera. Excellent. You and I could talk about families and genealogy all day long, but uh, we're, we're going to go into our break now. Uh, our guest is Austin Franklin, and we'll be back in a moment to learn more about his professional journey. So please stay with us. As a member of the Crummer community, you know that it's the people you meet at Crummer who make the greatest difference in your career. So I want to tell you about Rollins Connect. It's a networking platform that will help you stay connected to over 40,000 Rollins alumni worldwide. And it's available right now. Please go to rollinsconnect.rollins.edu, check it out. And if you need someone to connect to, connect to me, JB Adams. That's Rollins Connect, your connection to the Crummer community. Welcome back to Crummer Connections. I'm JB Adams, and our guest is Austin Franklin, co-founder and CEO of Good Natured Life and author of the books, Wake, Rise, and Smile, and the Difference Maker Leader. Austin, before the break, we were chatting about your early business influences, including your parents, and now we want to learn more about your professional journey. So this actually goes back a little bit into your backstory. Uh, tell us about those early career aspirations that you had. Right. So really, I would say collegiate aspirations and maybe career, but basketball was definitely a focal point in my life. Academically, I, I was always serious about that. But outside of that, it was basketball. And I played since really a young age in my maybe four or five is when I started. And so obviously by playing for such a long time, my, my ultimate goal was to play collegiately at the highest level. Highest level in sports is D1. And so for me, I didn't have any opportunities at the D1 level, only really D3. And so long story short, from the opportunities I had, I just assumed, especially because I was recruited at some of those particular places that although I missed the recruiting cycle or period, that I still would have the opportunity to play at a school that recruited me. And actually, when I, when I got there, they filled my spot, tried out, and didn't make the team. And so that was definitely a turning point in my life because that was really, I would say, my identity through, through almost middle school, high school. People knew that I played basketball and it's like some, someone being stripped of playing a musical instrument, someone being stripped of their acting um, skills or, or, or act, acting career. And so that was kind of me. It was stripped of what I, I looked at as my identity. And so definitely a-, a We're, we're going to, I, I want to dig a little deeper on that. Okay. Okay. So you played through high school. Tell me what you loved about basketball. What's to love about it? I think it's just something almost magical about doing the crossover on someone and someone being a side into the left side to the right, being able to knock down a jumper from the three or, 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 or do a, a sweet layup. I just think just, just the, the, the sport of the art of the game is so intriguing. And then obviously you're, you're, you're able to play on both ends. So you're not only able to be offensive, but you're also to be able to be defensive. And so, um, I think it's cool being able to have almost an impact and pulse on the entire game, although you have four other teammates. If you're if you're good enough, you can really impact the whole nature or the or the flow of the game. 
okay. So is it, is it the competition? Is it the winning? Is it the teamwork? A combination, but definitely I would say the competition. The competition is one of the main items. All right. So this is a major part of your identity. You're being recruited and you did not play in college. So for me, that helps, helps me understand asking the question, who am I now? So what was going through your head at that moment? And, and actually take us to that moment when you genuinely had to ask that question. Yeah, for a period, it was, it was hard to imagine my reality in that position. Because again, I, from having trainers, um, so much of my really blood, sweat and tears was invested into the sport. And I took it extremely seriously. So it was just taking time to absorb it. But when I got to the point of your question was basically who am I now? And, and, and that nature really was a phone call from my mother where she kind of encouraged me to look beyond or, or to explore my other interests. What, what other interests does Austin have beyond basketball? What, what other things draw to me? And so I started being more involved on campus, joined um, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, actually ended up being the president of the organization for a period as well. And then I started noticing I have a knack and interest for business. So it just really forced me to explore and actually enrolled voluntarily. It wasn't a assigned course my junior year in college an entrepreneurial thinking course where we had the opportunity to come up with a conceptual business framework idea, develop a business plan and think about things from a, a conceptual lens with a potential venture. And so after the course was over, I really liked the idea. I framed it around good nature, being good nature, calling it good nature life, because I believe hidden credentials or one of my hidden credentials is really what I like to call being good nature. And I define hidden credentials as the qualities that we innately possess and develop to bridge the gap between our weaknesses and our strengths. And I just saw the benefit it had upon my day-to-day -day activities, how if we all act in that way from a business landscape, personal landscape, how much greater the society would be, just call it a good nature life. And so after the course was over, collaborated with my mother, who has tremendous business expertise and insights, and ultimately named her the co-founder of We Birth Good Nature Life. Uh, what I am curious about is in, you know, finding your way to creating and co-founding Good Natured Life, you saw a need or somebody saw a need that was not being fulfilled. Tell us about some of those moments where you said like, this could be, I mean, you, you could have gone in a thousand different directions. You chose this direction because there was a perceived need. Is, is that personal to you? Yes, yes, definitely. So the, the perceived need was really started by seeing how sometimes companies or firms with their customer service, how, you know, you have some people who, who, who demonstrate excellent service, but then it's oftentimes where you have someone who's not that patient. You have someone who gets irritated when you're placing the order. You have people who are not as pleasant with their nature per se. And so for me, I know obviously anybody who works at any company that you're, you're a marketing piece for them, how someone interacts with that individual is how they look at typically sometimes the whole firm, the whole organization, that could be one bad person or one bad apple, but it can really have a, a devastating effect to the bottom line 
to the, the, the value of an organization, especially if it's done repetitively. So that was kind of the initial framework or thought for me. And I, and I understood, especially in the entrepreneurial way, you have to understand what the need or the problem is, but also you have to do something that's authentically you and, and that's, that's representative of you because obviously, if not, you're not, I don't believe the value will really be there because you're operating from really being a, a fake person or fake someone else. So for me, good nature was something that was just natural again for me. And so I saw again, just day-to-day interactions, day-to-day activities, how much it, it, it poured into my life in a positive way. And so by doing something that was innate or natural for me and seeing kind of those initial signs of, 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 of how people might act in the business landscape, that's what ultimately started that initial process of good nature life. And so just to summarize, you are helping change people's attitudes. Yes. Yes. And you're providing them with some skills. Yes. Leadership, etiquette, and rhetoric skills. Yep. Okay. And that's bringing that, all of that together is what's making the difference. And that leads me to my next question. Do you remember the first time that you did it and you stood up there in front of the people? Right. Yeah. I remember it almost like it was yesterday. Um, basically it was a group of like three to 400 students. This was my first paid engagement. I remember in that moment, you know, that's a lot of people. And prior to that, to give some context, I'd only deliver presentations within classrooms of 20 to 30 with just, you know, my, my regular presentations at high school or colleges for homework assignments. And so that was my first out of, you know, classroom talk. And so it was three to 400 students. And I remember it was kind of odd because I wasn't like nervous. I had nerves, but it didn't consume me. I was more so excited because I felt like, man, I have the opportunity to positively impact three, 400 people today. And so I think really in that moment, that was kind of my signal that they showed, okay, this is something I should be doing. I'm in the, in the right direction. And so what, what I really want to know is what you just described might be this moment, but I'm always curious about when is the moment where you realize, yes, this is it. This is where I belong. Was that it? Or did it come later? Well, I think the moment where this was it was maybe a few years later when I started hearing the results and the impact from the messages. I think that's when I realized, yes, this is it. You know, again, from stories of, of people reaching out via social media through going up to in-person conversations and, and just saying, you know, it wasn't surface level comments like this was an awesome talk, but like this really meant something to my life. Like I, I'm better as a result of it. And those kind of deep personal and emotional conversations, that's when I realized, yes, this is it. That is a moment that I think each one of us should strive for in our careers. So thank you for sharing that. All right, we're going to move on to the last segment of our show, which is called Your Best Business Advice. So Austin, what would you say is some of the best advice you can give for people in their business or in their career? I credit this to really uh, a philosophy or, or a skill set that was built throughout my matriculation at Crummer of being able to identify problems. I think a lot of times people in, in businesses, corporations, we, we might spend time focusing on the symptoms and the symptoms look sometimes like the problem, but they're really not. So my really biggest advice, if I just had to say one thing was, is really figure out what is the problem that you're really serving what is that problem? And then how can you solve that problem better than anyone else? So my reaction to what you just said is 
how how would you say that that's particularly applicable in the world that we live in today and what we've just gone through in the past you know year and a half to two years right so obviously the pandemic has affected everyone in some shape form or another in terms of some people have contracted the virus some people have passed as a result of the virus some people have had to get relocated in terms of their jobs some people have lost their jobs. Like a lot of negative things have happened, but something that I, I encourage leaders to become is difference maker leaders. And I think no matter the change, the challenge, difference maker leaders are able to find the advantage and the disadvantage, no, no matter the circumstance. And so I know a good nature of life being transparent. When the pandemic first hit, we didn't have business. Prior to the pandemic, we were mostly operating throughout the state in-person, in-person services, but the Good Nature Life team, we decided to really figure out how could we pivot in this situation. And so we started moving to virtual and we started marketing not only our services virtually throughout Florida, but throughout the country. Fast forward a year and a half later, we now have clients of 15 different states throughout the country. So like during one of the most trying and difficult times in American history, we went from statewide to nationwide, but I believe it's rooted in finding the advantage and the disadvantage. So I think that's something that we have to just do as individuals and as people. On a personal side, as we mentioned earlier, my father passed in 2018, and that was definitely the most challenging period of my life. A few months later, my godbrother passed. Another five months later, my grandmother passed. And so for me, obviously, deep, dark time. But, and although it still hurts today, what is the the advantage in that situation is the advantage for me is I, I became more grateful. Like the interactions I have with friends and family, the loved ones, I'm more appreciative. Like I'm not hanging out with, with my family or loved ones and just scrolling on social media, looking at my phone, like I'm actually present in the moment. So I have much more gratitude filled in my heart, although it hurts. That was something that really as a result of finding the advantage made me better as I continue to go along this journey. Excellent advice for any one of us as professionals and just really as human beings on planet Earth. So thank you for sharing that. Austin Franklin, thank you for joining us on Karma Connections and sharing your story. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is Clara Mount. Please stay tuned for the second half of the Crummer Hour. When we come back, we'll meet with Austin Franklin to get his responses to questions from our panel made up of Crummer students and alumni. You're listening to WPRK 91.5, the voice of Rollins College, Winter Park, Florida. Hi, I'm Sarah Neely. I am an Early Advantage MBA student here at the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Crummer has enabled me with hands-on real-world experience that has been translated inside and outside the classroom. I'm very excited for not only the rest of my second year here at Crummer, but also in the future and to come back and visit. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. In today's Crummer Hour, we're talking with Austin Franklin, CEO and co-founder of Good Natured Life, a business that provides leadership, rhetoric, and etiquette development with the mission of spreading kindness, friendliness, and patience, and uplifting minds across the world. In the first half of the show, we heard Austin share his early experiences in business and explain how serving the community starts with being your best self. 
And even when you're in the midst of challenges, you can find the advantage in the disadvantage. Now in the second half of the show, we have him here with us live in the VMG Zoom studio to have him respond to the questions from our panel of Crummer students and alumni. So Austin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Claire, for the introduction. I'm glad to be back. It is a pleasure to have you back and I'm really excited to hear more from you. Uh, I also want to introduce our panel of Crummer alumni and students, which includes Kyle Sawyer, current student in EA MBA 37. Hey, Clara, thank you. Papakoji, current student in EA MBA 39. Hi, Clara. Hey, Austin. And Michael Serrano, CEO of Serrano Music LLC and current student in PMBA 64. Hi, Clara. Hi, everybody. Excited to be with you again. And again, I am Clara Mount, MBA 2020. All right, so just jumping right into these questions today. Our first question, Austin, is about your role as CEO of Good Nature Life, and it comes from Papa. All righty. And before I ask this first question, I just want to say for the record that Austin Franklin, he was one of the first people I met actually when I was in undergrad. Um, I was a freshman and I didn't really have many friends and we just bumped into each other and there was an instant connection. So Austin, I just want to say thank you because you're one of the people who really put Crummer on the map for me. Um, and so my question is, so what do you know now about founding a business that you wish you knew when you had founded Good Natured Life? Yeah, thank you for those those kind and remarkable words. And, you know, I obviously think so highly of you and all of you've done um, in your leadership pursuit and journey through Rollins and even as you all, as you traverse at Crummer. So, your journey has been very inspiring, even for me as I've gone along my career. So again, I really appreciate all those remarks. But to answer your question, something I wish I knew when I was founding Good Nature Life was really being crystal clear, not only on the target audience, but understanding the, the audience that has the particular, I would say, funds or budget for the services one is trying to render, right? So Obviously, the, the public speaking world is tremendously competitive. It's not really mm -hmm. many barriers to entry because some, somebody could literally wake up one day and say, I want to be a public speaker, no matter if they're eight or 80, right? And mm -hmm. so obviously being able to to understand one, um, you know, arenas that have the money to pay um, for the particular service, um, not just who want the service. So for me, I'm in the, in the space and business I'm in, being crystal clear on that business plan not only identifying the target audience, but the audience that has the budget and the funds for the services in terms of the speaking piece that you're trying to render. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. I remember trying to have an event with you bringing, bringing you back to campus. And the, the question was like, can we afford you? Can we afford Austin Franklin? Um, and so that's, that's a great point that you bring up. Awesome. Our next question comes from Michael. Hey, Austin. Uh, really excited to have you. Um, so Good Natured Life seems to be centered a lot around the importance of public speaking. Um, so my question is, do you enjoy public speaking? Have you always enjoyed it? Uh, and where, where did the interest, where did it come from? Was it something that came to you naturally? Or was it an experience you had uh, or something that you just had to learn? Right. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for the question. I, I would say the the speaking piece was not something natural for me. I think I kind of hinted at it at the at the original interview. Really, my experience with presentations was was minimal. I just did it for class assignments in, in high school, college. And actually, I remember vividly one of my professors in college, I was doing a presentation in front of the class and I wasn't speaking loud enough. 
And so she would actually was like, speak louder because I, I would kind of whisper when I talk. So it was definitely not something natural for me. But I guess when I kind of matured and, and got over that hump and realized that was a, a component that we were going to offer part of good nature life, I kind of mentioned it in the first interview when I, when I, when I spoke in terms of the first um, group or audience, it definitely felt like something I should be doing. It felt like I had a rhythm or, or something that was natural for me once I got to the space of professionally doing it. But originally, it was not something I, I just naturally gravitated towards. Yeah, even in your response, there's just there's a natural rhythm there, and I, I was trying to get to <laughs> trying to steal it from you. Um, that's that's it's very exciting, and and I appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Kyle has a question. Hey, Austin. Um, so from your own experience, what would you say is your number one advice to help others become better public speakers? My number one advice, um, I get, you know, quite a bit of questions sometimes about, you know, the speaking and different things. Um, I would say to be better, I guess the skill of being a better public speaker is definitely um, understanding the audience, um, understanding the messaging you're trying to get across in terms of, um, what are you authentic to what you're saying? And is that message relatable to who you're trying to talk to? And also realizing, because obviously when you talk about fears, um, public speaking is one of the greatest fears we have in terms of a society. And so many people get nervous and timid when they're about to speak. And, and something I encourage anybody who's doing any kind of presentation in any format is to take it off of you. So think about it from you being almost a, a, a messenger of some inspiration or some good news or something that is helpful because ultimately the whole purpose of, of the speaker is just sharing information that can be beneficial and realize that you're just a vehicle to transpose that message. So not get caught up on your nerves, but more so on the delivery because at the end of the day, it's about the audience who's receiving the message at hand. So that's really my biggest advice for anybody who's trying to be a better speaker. Uh, that's great. And something I think that Cromer students uh, can really in their back pocket when they're presenting up in front of their classmates. That's awesome. Our next question is from Papa. Yeah, so Austin, it seems like your whole job, right, is just encouraging people, um, giving people advice, motivating people. Um, how do you yourself stay motivated? What are some things that you do to help yourself stay motivated? Yeah, thank you for that question, Papa. I definitely look at and gain inspiration from the, some of the top people in my profession. So um, I look at the industry leaders and, and see their their level of success, their impact and what they're doing and even what they're delivering. And that inspires me. Obviously, I'm an avid reader as well. So I gain inspiration from that. And obviously, we all have visions. We all have objectives and goals. So for me, I'm always looking down the road. I'm always looking years down the road, not just week by week. So I, I, certain destinations that I'll want good nature life and myself to arrive at. So being reminded of that on a daily basis keeps me grounded and, and, and locked in for the most part. So those all really serve as, as ingredients for inspiration for me. Yeah, wow. That's great. Thank you. Our next question's from Michael. Thank you, Clara. Yeah, I just kind of want to add to that. Um, obviously, we want to recommend your publications, but I kind of wanted to find out what books and resources you use to stay inspired. Can you give us some recommendations? Definitely. So it's many books. I mean, let's see, I'm, I'm working on, I think, David Goggins' book, You Can't Hurt Me. He was a, a Navy SEAL, I believe. New York Times bestseller came out a few years ago. Different kind of style book that I traditionally read. It's like an autobiography, but very um, interesting, his perspective. 
in his journey. Um, I think the power of moments is an awesome one. But I, I would say definitely Malcolm Gladwell. He has some really interesting books that are nonfiction grounded in research. So what he's saying is not just coming from his brain, but it's really coming from data studies, case studies. And it's really profound, just his really thought leadership in terms of just different subject matter. So yeah, definitely um, I would recommend those. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Our next question is about your backstory and it comes from Kyle. Hey, Austin. Uh, so in your Crummer Connections interview, you mentioned how basketball made a big impact on your life in your earlier years. What did you learn from playing basketball that you've been able to apply to your career? Yeah, so definitely I would say two takeaways for, for basketball. I would say the teamwork and the competitive nature of the, of the sport. Obviously, again, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but, but obviously anything revolving around a, a, a business with speaking is very competitive. So obviously understanding how to distinguish oneself, um, how to have the necessary skill set in terms of, of positioning and in terms of, I would say, influence and results to really open up yourself or, 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 or distinguish yourself from the pack. That's one crucial element I learned from basketball. And obviously the more you practice, the more skilled you are, the more um, t playing time you're able to get, the more um, positive results you're able to have on the court. And obviously the teamwork piece is, is so critical because I realized you could be, you know, the most athletic person on the, on the court, best shot, most handles, whatever skill set, you could be the best, but if you have four other guys that they don't compliment you, you can still lose most of your game. So same thing with business. Like if you don't have a team, like no matter how skilled you are with any industry, no matter how genius you might be, if you don't have the complementary pieces or, or individuals in place to help aid with that vision or the infrastructure of the enterprise, it's only so far you can go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, having that competitive mindset uh, you know, just, I guess it, it helps you, uh, be prepared for challenges and then also sets you up for, um, you know, problem solving in terms of how to overcome those challenges as well. Um, yeah, that's great. Thank you. All right. Our next question is from Michael. Hey again, Austin. Uh, there was a concept you talked about, uh, called hidden credentials being innate traits that you develop to bridge the gap between your weaknesses and strengths, which really related with me. Um, the example you gave for yourself is being good natured. How did you learn that about yourself? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael. That's a great question. I do a lot of reflection. So I, I reflect upon moments in my life. And so I do a lot of reflection. And so obviously, I think I spoke about it in the previous interview in the entrepreneurial thinking course, junior year of college, I'm trying to figure out what's an idea that makes sense that's that's needed, but also this has authenticity to it. It's not something random, something I really would resonate with and be a representation of me. It was, I realized in just my stories, my upbringing, my childhood, kind of how I was naturally, um, I realized I was naturally kind of good natured. It wasn't something that was forced or something I had to really like force myself to do was just kind of natural. Like if I wasn't being good natured, I was actually acting out of character. So I just didn't realize that through a lot of reflection and obviously that was mine. But again, everybody has hit credentials. Like your once hit a credential could be your ability to lead, to make someone laugh, to be a genuinely great friend, to have empathy, to care for the elderly, 
your ability to, to navigate numbers, right? It's a lot of hidden credentials we have, but I think a lot of people in society don't take the time to wrestle and reflect and figure out what they naturally have within them because whatever you naturally have within you can be used as a proponent in any industry, whatever field you're working to help you be the best or, or to be the most effectual in that role. Thank you. Yeah, even in your response, it's there's like this level of authenticity there that I, it's it's a great talent and uh, I admire it a lot. I mean, it's 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 underused and um, it's nice to hear from someone who speaks from the heart like you do. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, it sure seems like you're uh, you're the kind of person that sees the best in everyone around you, and I think that's that really comes through in the way you're answering. Our guest is Austin Franklin, and we'll continue our conversation with him in just a moment. You're listening to the Crummer Hour on WPRK 91.5 Rollins College. Hi, I'm Mallory Bliss, an Early Advantage MBA student at Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. When I was searching for my next opportunity after graduation, an MBA at Crummer was the best opportunity for me. I was nervous about starting at Crummer with my science background, but my fears were calmed on the very first day. Crummer is helping me pursue my aspiration of working in the pharmaceutical industry. For more information on the Crummer Early Advantage MBA program, visit crummer.rollins.edu. Welcome back to the Crummer Hour. I'm your host, Clara Mount. Our guest is Crummer alumnus Austin Franklin, co-founder and CEO of Good Natured Life. And with us, we have our panel of Crummer students and alumni with more questions about Austin's career. Uh, so at this point in the show, it's time to play a game. We're going to play Crummer Insider Free Association. And uh, the way this works, I'm going to give you a series of prompts and just invite you to say the very first thing that comes into your head. And yeah, we're just going to run with it. You ready to play? Yes. Awesome. All right, Austin. So I started my Crummer education in the year? 2018. Okay. I finished classes and graduated in the year? Actually, I think it might be 2019 I graduated. I think 2018 I started, 2019 I graduated. All right, all right. My... I actually forgot myself. <laughs> Seems like ages ago. Um, my cohort number was? 31. Were you a PMBA, EA? EA. EA, awesome. Um, there were this many students in my cohort. Maybe around 50. Good size, 40, good size. Maybe 40, maybe 40 actually, 40. All right. My cohort was known for being? Fun. Fun? Yeah. For our international study, we went to? Prague and Berlin. Oh, that's so cool. The thing that made the greatest impression on me during our trip was? I think just the the kind of outside activities and just enjoying the fellowship among the classmates. I think that was the biggest, biggest impression. My favorite course was? Maybe wise leadership. Ooh, my favorite professor was? Dr. Johnston. Oh, love him. During the experience at Crummer, my greatest time management moment or lesson was? I think kind of the entry point of like the first few weeks when we had kind of the like almost boot camp, mm -hmm. but it was a lot of case studies compiled at once the first two or three weeks. And it was kind of like we had a consolidated time to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's I rough. think they should re <laughs> rename it to boot camp. That sounds like a, an appropriate <laughs> title <Sure>. of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations. You won the game. Yeah. 
we, awesome, we awesome. <laughs> we, we don't have any prizes, but you know what? You have our, <laughs> your undying gratitude for playing. <laughs> All right. Our next uh, our next set of questions is about leading a small business. So um, I'm just going to kick this segment off. What did you learn from the experience of being specifically a co-founder of a business? Right. You didn't do it alone. Um, and what advice would you give to potential co-founders? I would say if you're if you're planning on co-founding a business, definitely find someone who's in alignment with with you and and your vision. There's a lot of times where you have organizations that are started by by founders and mm-hmm. there's always sometimes friction in terms of the relationship or friction. And so the, the enterprise sometimes breaks down or ventures off to a, a negative space. Mm-hmm. And I think finding someone who's in alignment with you, if, if it's a friend, if it's a family member, even a relative, I think someone really ultimately that you trust. Because I think at the end of the day, you have to be able to trust the person. And the, and the trust, obviously, um, the decisions that will be had moving forward. So for me, obviously, that person I trusted the most and I knew who had the business expertise and the time to be able to co-found it with me was my mother. And mm-hmm. so in that particular case, you know, obviously, I'm not saying it's a cupcake ride and there's no disagreements. Um, we have frictional, uh, sometimes disagreements weekly, but we understand the direction we're headed and, and the vision that we're trying to take good nature of life. So I think that's the, that's the main part. I love that. That's really great advice. Uh, our next question comes from Papa. Yes, Austin, I have a question for you because it is, it's very clear that you are a leader and your people skills are, you know, are evident to everybody that meets you. But in your role as a small business leader, you also have to guide strategy for the organization, right? So not just people, but for the organization. So what tips do you have for other small business leaders about how to guide strategy for their organization? What have you learned in that space? Right, definitely. So for me, one of the main things I do as a leader is communicate the vision. Um, I realize, especially when, when organizations are bigger and even corporate America, sometimes the leader may communicate the vision just with the executive officers and not really let other employees who are not at the executive level understand the direction. So for me, whatever vision that I have, I communicate it so that everybody understands where we're trying to go. And what mm. that does for the, the employee is it gives them a purpose for every task that they do. They don't look at it as just, oh, I'm just doing this just to do it or kill time. Because at the end of the day, whatever we're trying to work towards, there are tedious tasks that have to be done. And so for that individual, or even from a collective standpoint, doing those tasks, it gives meaning to every every action item. It gives meaning to to every every um, meeting that that's had, and even every um, deliverable needs to be met. So that's the biggest thing for me: communicating that vision. And, and another thing that's really, I think, helpful is you know, obviously, money is a driving factor for most. But at the end of the day, people, it's not just money for most. And so, also being able to show people like how they're a part of that vision as well. So I always try to be inclusive in terms of okay, this is the vision, but here's the role you will play once we get to this destination. So that also in conjunction gives them that motivation to like keep going because I understand how I'm playing the role in this picture as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great answer. Thank you so much. Okay. The next question comes from Michael. Uh, Austin, you're such a proactive thinker that you kind of already answered my question. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to reshape it for you though. Uh, so Papa was talking kind of about like your next step. I assume that most CEOs and, and, you know, if you're involved in any business, you're thinking about the next big thing, uh, thinking about your plans to grow your, your business in the future. 
Can you talk to us about how that shapes your leadership philosophy, how, how that shapes your approach to leadership? And what's the next big thing for you? What are you looking at uh, one year from now and, and beyond? Right. So, yeah, the, the leadership philosophy really just comes from, you know, the, the, the being, as you mentioned, proactive and, and thinking down the road, not, not thinking from a month or two months, but really longer term and having the vision. So that's really what leads a lot of the decision making and, and, and obviously trickles down into how things need to be done, the urgency, because you realize you're working with a timeline. So a vision is not a vision without a timeline. So when, when people realize the timeline, you, you have a degree of urgency and, and a sense of, we, we, you know, this has to be at a certain level, you know, next week or, or two months from now and not just whenever we feel like it. So that's the big part in terms of the philosophy. But one of the big things for Good Nature Life, and I would say myself for the next year, um, for historically, we've been around almost seven years at this point, and we've done a lot of work with with high school and college students. But one of the more I would say visions or goals for, for this next year is to really be more in the corporate space. So we've done things with corporations in terms of, of different leaders in that space, but, but really being more in that corporate sector. So kind of the, the kick it off we had most recently at the Difference Maker Leader Tour, which was for uh, basically corporate executives and leaders. So it was leaders in education. Um, we work with the eighth largest transportation company in the, in the country at MARTA and leaders in, that are who are doctors, lawyers, um, medical professionals, roofing experts, the list was really diverse, but, but really posi positioning us also in that, that sector as well from the, the business uh, corporate landscape. That's really one of the next objectives. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to see your companies diverging into new spaces, uh, because public speaking is, is used everywhere in life. So that's, that's exciting. Thanks. All right. The next question is about your personal and professional development, and it comes from Kyle. Hey, Austin. So what, what is a habit that you think every young professional, whether they're a millennial like us, or maybe they're uh, a Gen Zer, uh, what kind of habits should these people be developing right now today? Yeah, thank you, Kyle. I would say definitely need to, to be an avid reader, avid reader, and to study whatever industry that you're in, who are the, the top, I would say, quote unquote, dogs, the top professionals in your realm. Um, for me, obviously, whatever industry that is, uh, for me, that's how I started my day. I started by reading and, and, and that really conditions my mind to, to really be creative and, and to think and to get those conceptual muscles moving. But I think obviously high school and college, obviously, um, I don't know, how it was for you all. But for me, I thought, you know, the reading was kind of tedious. We have to read 60 pages within two weeks for a paper, you know? And so it ends up being like a task was trying to scratch off the list, but really they're, they're really con conditioning us, whatever schooling we have to, to really uh, work those conceptual muscles because reading really opens your doors, makes you think about things at a different level and you gain different perspectives. So picking up a book that's of interest to you, um, I think is, is crucial. That could help advance you, that but also that could help relax you as well. I think that's, that's big. It doesn't have to be a book. It could be articles with the Wall Street Journal. It could be Harvard Business Review, but, but studying materials and, and being aware, not only what's going on in your industry, but, uh, but around your city, your state, your, your, your country, and even the world, because what we realize with this pandemic, we're really more interconnected than we think. Uh, what's going on in 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 Prague? Uh, we might say, okay, it's just going over there in Prague, but in actuality, it could really affect what's going on here 
and in your case is Winter Park Orlando here in Jacksonville. So I think being abreast of those items is critical and, and really studying those particular people who are the industry heads. Obviously, millennials are at the starting points of their careers. So they're trying to climb the ladder and, and, and gain more and more um, recognition or prominence in their role. And, and I, on that journey, what I realize is a lot of times people, you don't have to always reinvent the wheel. Obviously, we have our own spin or twist to it. But anything we want, for the most part, anything we want to achieve or, or to become, in, in one way or the other, it's already been achieved before. So it's just up to us to find and inculcate those experiences and, and study those models so that we can cross-pollinate those ideas into our journey as well. So I think that's a big thing, the reading, but also studying who's the topic and what you're trying to do. And if you and what I realize is by studying that, you see, okay, um, I need to do this better. Or, you know what, I see why I'm not really here at this level because they're doing this. Or, you know what, I see how when they did this five years back, how to help position them so they are in that position now. So that's, that's a big thing. That's a big thing for me. Yeah, those are those are awesome tips, and I cannot uh, emphasize how important reading is. I hope I hope everybody you know keeps being a bookworm, so it's good. <laughs> I was gonna add to that and just say that it seems like what you're talking about is really just learning and absorbing from the examples that are around you. So, I mean, I know I listen to a lot of podcasts, I watch a lot of media, and I think it's kind of the same thing. If if it's hard for you to sit down and read a book, you can listen to one instead or or watch someone talk. Yeah. I think that's definitely. Great. I definitely agree. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So unfortunately, we do have to bring the Q&A to a close. And um, our final question is about your closing message. So, Austin, what do you want to say to the Crummer community? I want to say to the to the Crummer co community, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll position it in two ways for the students. Definitely try to absorb it as much as you can from the professors. I know my the 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 Q and A um, fire question. I, I mentioned one professor who was my favorite, but honestly, all of them I I greatly enjoyed and, and loved and learned from a lot for the for the students. That's my message, and obviously for the faculty and professors. You know, thank you for you know the the professionalism, the expertise you bring to each course. I mean, it really has helped shape and molded me into the thought leader that I am, the perspectives that I have, and it's helped me navigate much of my journey. So. I just want to thank the, the Crummer community um, for that and obviously much continued success as we continue to stay the, the number one NBA program in Florida. Awesome. I love that. With that, I want to say Austin Franklin, CEO and co-founder of Good Natured Life. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Crummer Hour. Thank you all for having me. It was a joy. All right. And I'd also want to thank again our panel representing the Crummer Graduate School of Business, Kyle Sawyer, Papa Koji, and Michael Serrano. Thank you for being here, everybody. This was great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having us, uh, Austin. You, you really make current students and alumni proud with your work. So keep it up. Appreciate it. Yes. This was the highlight of my whole week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Today's show is brought to you by the Crummer Graduate School of Business at Rollins College. Now's a great time to consider enhancing your career success by pursuing an advanced degree in business. And the Crummer School offers a variety of educational programs to help you become a global, innovative, responsible business leader. To learn more about the programs and the application process, go to crummer.rollins.edu, the Crummer Graduate School of Business, experience excellence. The Crummer Hour is a production of Victor Media Group. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. 
If you like this show, please follow us on your favorite social media platform. Today's show was created by J.B. Adams, executive produced by Gerard Mitchell, and hosted by Clara Mount. Our showrunner is Kyle Sawyer with production assistance by Rachel O'Brien and audio design by Aaron Trinka. Our gratitude goes out to Mike Brown and Loveland Finley and Alumni Relations for their gracious help and support. Until next time, Fiat Lux.